No doubt that many of us are experiencing stress and anxiety like never before. Our health, our finances, our societal discourse on the news and social media. It seems that everywhere we look around us, there's tension. So how do we manage it all? Well, Rebecca Baruki not only has a few meditation practices that we can do right here now on the podcast, but she goes very deep into how to care and love ourselves in these trying times and why it is so critical to do so on a daily basis. I'm Matteo Bastono, and it was a great pleasure to speak to Rebecca Baruki today on the podcast. Rebecca is a biracial mother of five, a TV host and author of a number of meditation books for adults and children. Her mission is to make mental health support and stress management tools accessible to all, especially the black, indigenous, and people of color communities, LGBTQ folks, and other marginalized communities. I spoke to her from her farm on her homestead in rural New Jersey. Be sure to check out the next podcast episode where Rebecca guides you on a meditation to connect to your purpose. But for now, let's get right to my conversation with Rebecca Baruki. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the Hay House Meditations podcast. Hello. How are you? Good, good. It's uh, Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on to the podcast. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Bex, as a, uh, as a mother of five, mm-hmm. uh, a birth doula and a meditation yoga guide, you, you teach and you write a lot about um, managing the mother load. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was the title of one of your books, yes. uh, Managing the Mother Load. So I'd like to start our conversation there okay. uh, about tools um, and methods that you teach in these times where our anxiety over our health, the, the, the political divide, racial tensions are, are just causing so much stress. Right. And um, I saw a recent video that you posted um, where you spoke about managing our expectations or yes. managing your own expectations. Yes. And as this podcast is about meditation, mm-hmm. about the internal work that we do within the process of meditation, I want to ask you to first define what you mean by, by managing our own expectations. Mm-hmm. And secondly... How can we use meditation and contemplation to do that? Sure. So I'm going to jump right in by making a statement that is incredibly important to me as a teacher, as a healer, as someone who is an activist in the social, uh, political, racial justice arenas. Um, Citation is a political act. So always naming where an idea or a thought or a teaching came from. So this idea of managing expectations came from one of my teachers, Dr. Frantonia Pollins, who is Mm. um, a beautiful guide for me, who I've known for a little while, but has recently become someone I consider to be a mentor. And it was through a personal struggle that she was guiding me to manage my own expectations, which is so funny because I teach about managing stress. I teach about managing like our busy schedules are overwhelmed, but I wasn't really practicing myself for a moment in this, in this one place. So the, um, so my practice always is 
Well, let me define meditation for you really quick as, as according to me, according to Bex. Sure, sure, yeah. uh, so meditation is a way for me to uh, show up for myself to say, hey, I see you. I recognize that you're a thinking, feeling person who deserves to be heard, who deserves to be seen, who deserves my time. And it's also a way for me to connect with truth, uh, which is the truth of the moment, what is happening energetically for me, physically for me, and then also what's happening in my environment. So it's really just sitting in quiet contemplation for um, for the purpose of self-reflection and then also connection with truth and you know being there it's a, it's an act of self-love being there for myself so when I sit in meditation it is not to cure anything it's not to fix anything it's to communicate with myself so that I can find answers on how to act outside of meditation to find um, the cure or the remedy or even the method to be able to move through stress and what I had been doing recently was sitting in meditation connecting with my truth and then going out in the world and practicing something that was outside of my truth, which was trying to change others instead of trying to change myself. <laughs> so I was, so I'm going out into this like activist space and focused on changing the minds of others, um, really investing in the impact of changing others instead of investing in what I can do. And that was leading me to a lot of overwhelm, frustration, heartbreak, really, this, mm -hmm. this, this uh, deep disappointment. So going back to Dr. And were you, can I, can yeah. I ask right there, Bex, were you, um, you were deeply disappointed in that people weren't seeing things the way that you wanted them to see them or say things or do things or change in this, in this very um, divided um uh, society that we have right now is all is, of is that, that all of that mm -hmm. it was this sense of urgency um and not being able to not being able to uh deal with the incredible stress that that sense of urgency was creating in me while seeing people not have that same sense of urgency, like not doing what I thought they needed to be doing. And that was, um, it's really, it's a practice in self-defeat. It's a practice in right. self-destruction because in not, in, in, Making my expectations, not managing my expectations, meaning connecting with the reality of what I can expect, I was setting myself up for failure. So what I learned with Dr. Frantonia and what she reminded me of that I already knew was not to give up hope, not to be pessimistic, not to be cynical, but to understand where my energy should be invested and what I can expect from that investment. So there's, you know, in real life, there's high risk investments, like, you know, you invest in the stock market, and you say, okay, I'm going to put in this amount of money, but I'm definitely not going to invest my life savings, because that would be foolish, um, you right. know, on a risky stock. But if I'm totally in control, like I'm not in control of the stock, but I'm, I'm totally in control of myself, I can invest a lot in myself because I know exactly. I'm going to go up. So yeah. that's what it means to me for managing expectations. And I think it's really an act of self-love when you do that. Right. Because you're not so, uh, you're not so hard on yourself then. 
Well, I can be hard on myself, <laughs> but I'm not going to be hard on other people. I'm not putting, I'm not placing my well-being in the hands of other people's actions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, Bex, um, I, uh, in, in my own training with, with meditation, um, it, I've sort of come to this, this idea that when people ask me about, like, why do you meditate? Mm-hmm. Um I, I I try to explain that that in meditation that we it's a, it's a it's a process for for me at least it's a process of beginning to notice how I habitually react to things mm-hmm. just how if if a situation happens if, if something I see something on the news or I just see something whatever happens I just I habitually react with either I sort of push it away mm-hmm. or I want more of it mm-hmm. and so noticing that is the beginning. We, we notice our habitual reactions. And then through the process of applying a method of meditation and whatnot, we can slow that process down mm-hmm. so that there's an actual pause yeah. between stimulation and reaction. Yes. And in that pause is where we take the power back mm-hmm. that the external situation has had over us. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then when we've taken that back, then we can – we, there's a pause. There's there's some sort of um, there's that that power rely, lies in us. Then and then we can say no. I'm going to go for that and try to change that very directly. Or I'm going to. This is a, a situation that is um, that I do not want to have happen any longer. So I'm going to actively go towards it. Or I'm just going to disengage from it because it's it's just not useful. But but at least we have a choice then. And I am a very reactive person. I'm a very, mm. well, first of all, I have to warn you. Have you. Fire. you have all this energy I, activist. <laughs> I'm, I run hot. I'm on fire. And, and I, I was going to say, like, I, I have a, um, my roots, my tradition are in the church. So I'm going to call out a lot, like, amen. Uh-huh. So I do that too. <laughs> so while you're talking, sorry. But the, um, I, I react and. It's so funny. I was talking about this yesterday with someone and they were, they were asking how meditation serves me in, in social justice work. And it's because it is a topic that I feel so viscerally and I feel so like it's in my DNA to seek justice, to want justice for my ancestors, for myself, for my people, for my family. And at the same time, I have to sit and process those emotions before I go out in the world and start talking about them or I call people into action. And, and that's what meditation does. It creates that pause between the, you know, the feeling, the stimulus, the, you know, the, the stress, right. That's coming in and exactly. the reaction to it. And, you know, if you're not processing, then you're really, you're dangerous. You're dangerous, especially when you're doing work that is meant to make an impact on other people. It could be very hard. Exactly. Harmful. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about that, how you've, um, how you bring, um, these tools of of meditation and, and, um, mental health to be part of a sort of stress management toolkit into your, the communities of of black and indigenous people of color and LGBTQ, um, and other marginalized communities. And so you've been doing that. So I want to talk about that, but before we get there, um, you in your in one I think maybe it was one of your f- first books. It was um, you have four minutes to change your life. Mm-hmm. You t- you offer like short methods and mm-hmm. me- meditation practices, but also sort of short methods that can be applied when life gets really crazy mm-hmm. and like and life is kind of crazy like daily. Yeah. You know, especially if you and it yeah wherever we sit uh, on the political spectrum, it's sort of things are crazy. 
you know, health wise, it's, it's, it's just sort of off the charts. And so in any case, we have these super stressful situations, whether it be in the grocery store or we mm-hmm. see a distressing image on the news or we're worried about our financial situation. So can you, um, for yourself and then for others, what do you do to, to downgrade like that, that, you know, we were just talking about that, that pause yeah. um, between stimulation and reaction. Sometimes some people talk about sort of to downgrade the fight or flight response, right. just to be like, oh, I'm, I, I can't look at this or, or you just get so angry straight away. So how do we, to respond appropriately rather than out of fear, or anger, what do you do? To, to, to do that, like on a daily oh, basis. So I talked about this today on my live broadcast, and it's one <laughs> of the most um, beautiful tools that has ever been gifted to I me. I swear I didn't see it. Okay, I did not. I didn't see it. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. So when I was, um, you know, I have a, a, a pretty um, complicated and long mental health history. From the time I was very little, I suffered from um, extreme anxiety, depression, mood swings, outbursts. And when I was 10 years old, 10 or 11, I was seeing a counselor, um, a therapist named Cesar Cologne. I have to thank him in one of my books. I keep forgetting. I have to like, next book, he's going to go with it. Um, but he offered, um, he, well, he told me, he said, you're like a soda bottle or pop or, you know, Coke, wherever the listeners are. So you're like a soda bottle and every, he's like, you're very sensitive and that's okay, but everything shakes you up. Everything shakes Mm. you up and that's okay too. But you have to release that pressure because what you're doing is you're not talking about it. You're not sharing it. You're not like letting it out and you're exploding when it gets to be Mm. too much. You're exploding. So he said, every day or every time you're starting to feel a little bit shaken up, I want you to just twist the cap a little bit. Like you would just like let the fizz out if you shook up a bottle of soda, just twist it a little bit. Beautiful image. Yes, yes. And and I see everything as, you know, I I love visualization, meditation. It's what I use most often. And it evolved to be um, a lesson in when we don't twist the cap, not maybe we don't explode, but we reabsorb all that stress. It Mm. looks like it's disappeared, but it's all there on a cellular level. So when I'm, I've been using this, I tell you, at least every other day for the past 31 years to just breathe, acknowledge that I'm feeling pressure and physically with the, like a, like letting that fizz just come out and see that pressure being released. And I know it's, it's kind of like a reset because the stress is inevitable. Like that's just who I am. I get yeah. shaken up. <laughs> like I can't avoid it. Exactly. But that's that's a tool that I've been using forever. Um, I learned it when I was 10, which I feel is gonna segue into what we talk about next about accessibility. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been a miracle for me. It's it's saved my life many times, and that's no exaggeration. I, I love I love that. And so before we get into accessibility, mm-hmm. um, and because you know, this is this podcast will is going to air just as we're sort of preparing to go, either go back to school or go back into sort of a homeschooling situation. Yeah. Um, and you know, you 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 teach to you, you teach methods for kids mm-hmm. for kids meditation for mothers. And um, I was wondering if you could um, uh, just share with us another. I love this this. I don't know what what is the name of the 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 fizz med- is that we're gonna call it the fizz meditation. I call it my soda bottle meditation. So okay, soda pop, <laughs> yeah. soda pop, yeah. yeah. Um, so the soda bottle, but you have this other you you have these 
practices or the way that you characterize them, this one practice called smell the flowers, blow mm-hmm. out the candles. Yeah. So could you, could you share that? Cause I think that that's something that our listeners could um, not only do themselves, mm-hmm. but also share with their, with their kids. Yeah. So um, for when their kids enter into a, a stressful situation. So I have, it's actually like a, a genetic condition where I pass out when I have my blood drawn. My sons have it too. It's very, it's very dramatic. Um, so again, citation, I went to my doctor and I was really scared about having my blood drawn and the phlebotomist, this beautiful young woman taught me to, she said, I just want you to, f- and she was speaking to the choir on the visualization part, but she said, I want you to imagine you're smelling flowers and then I want you to blow out candles. Like that's how I want you to breathe. And it worked. And I used it in one of my meditations, um, one of my videos and people were like, wow, that really worked. And again, simple tool, totally accessible. It was like no nonsense, very direct. And no guru needed. No, no guru needed. Just like, you know, a teacher, (laughs) you know, like I taught the person and then they, and then they took it along. And what it turned into was my first children's book, Zara's Big Messy Day, that turned out okay. And um, she- Can you repeat the title of your children's book? It's Zara, um, Z-A-R-A, Zara's Big Messy Day, that turned out okay. And she's a little girl, uh, very much modeled after me. She's a little biracial black girl. She has stress. She she runs hot, <laughs> right? Like yeah. things get things get to her very easily. And her mother offers her this breathing method. Um, she practices it, and she realizes that even though her environment does not change, everything's still the same. That she is able to live in it more peacefully and with more ease. So it's, um, and I'm telling you, the book has been a hit, like the kids love it. And I, I swear I did not anticipate this, but the method works because it is accessible. It's, um, it's easy to understand and to repeat. And it just, all it does is it takes you out of that moment of reaction and allows for a pause. Mm -hmm. So, and so like if we could just sort of see how is this going to happen today? Like if I have to go to the grocery store, I go to Trader Joe's and mm-hmm. I see somebody sort of yelling at another person for whatever reason, because they have a mask, because they don't have a mask for whatever reason, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's who knows these days. Right. But, um, and you're in the parking lot and rather than having, uh, want to engage or just to do anything right then and there, just standing, mm-hmm. I can just, just breathe in deeply through my nose as if I'm smelling flowers, and then just yeah. so blow it's, out the candles. It's three Is steps. that the method? Yeah, it's three steps. So if you feel safe, you close your eyes, smell the flowers, blow out the candles, see them. When I blow out the candles, I like to do physical. Um, when I meditate, it's a very physical process too. So if I'm blowing out the candles, I like to smile. Or if I'm smelling the flowers, I like to smile a little bit so that it, it brings me into this place, this like physical place of, okay, I'm associating this with something good and peaceful. Uh, but I do it. And I'll tell you, because I practice, like I've been meditating every single day of my life since I've been 15 years old. It is something that, um, that's my medicine and it's a non-negotiable. And I'm at this place, it didn't take that many years, but I'm at a place after you know several years that when I take that first breath, that first breath when I'm, you know, I say I step over an energetic threshold into my place of meditation, it's instantaneous. Yeah. It's I drop right in and So the first time, and and, you know, I want to offer this, especially to beginner meditators, it's not, um, you're not going to feel the same every single time you take that breath. You're not going to feel the same every time, you know, sit in the 
pillow and sit on the pillow in quiet contemplation. But with practice, you train your body, you, you cue yourself to, to enter this place that you've created. It knows that it's going to be peaceful. It knows that it's safe. And it becomes a practice that doesn't, it's beautiful when it can be 20 minutes or an hour, but I get there in a breath. And yeah. you give me four minutes and I'm in heaven. So, <laughs> <funny>. Yeah. <laughs> I love those, like the way that you, so, I mean, you're, you language this in a way that's so accessible because sometimes when you, we might say, oh, these are somatic cues to activate mm-hmm. the parasympathetic nervous system, <laughs> yes. you know, but you're like, <laughs> so I, I, and, it, and, and, you know, different language works for different people. Some people yes. want the, you know, to know that it is that they're upgrading their parasympathetic yes. um, uh, and, you know, e- ejecting from the flight or flight response or freeze mm-hmm. um, as, as we see these days. Um, okay, good. So thank you for the, the smell, the flowers, blow the, out the candles that you received from your, um, from your therapist, I think you no, said. No, that was my phlebotomist, yes. From the phlebotomist, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you you mentioned um, j- just a bit earlier that you are a, a, a biracial mm-hmm. um, black mother. Mm-hmm. Is that what mm-hmm. you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this, and you you navigate um, sort of in the in the in the Beck's in in Beck's life in you know um, which you have which you can find on on you have a YouTube station mm-hmm. where you offer many different kinds of meditations mm-hmm. practices um, you um, but just be, and we're, we're friends as well I, mm-hmm. I want to say that uh, so um, but can I also say that you that um, can you identify like how you present as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Because I think it's good for our listeners before we get into the next – I want to talk about how you navigate the yoga and uh-huh. wellness world. But I, I think it's important for people to, to know how you – how people see you and how uh-huh. and how you present. Right. So, okay. So, this is this is very important in the context of, you know, spiritual wellness, um, you know, especially in, like, say, the Hay House world. You know, I'm part of the Hay House family. So, I am biracial black. Um, and if you can imagine, like, a Mariah Carey or a Jennifer Beale, I, they both can present as either ambiguous or some people might say they present even as white. You really can't tell what they are. So, that's how I look. Um, I, people would not guess that I was black when they see me. Well, black folks do. <laughs> I'll say that. Like black <laughs> folks do. But but I'll but say, you know, white people mostly will, would not um, identify me as black. So what that has allowed me to do, what unique opportunity that has presented, because it's also presented some obstacles, is it allows me to navigate a lot of different worlds and get access to a lot of different places that my folks, black folks, do not have access to. And you brought up language and the way things are communicated. I love science. I am such a nerd for the way everything works. Like I was taken apart, like all my little electronic toys when I was you know, nine, 10 years old. And my parents would freak out because I'm like <laughs> taking apart everything in the house. Right. But I'll say this, when I say inhale, exhale, you know, and you, you know, relax your body, you know, release any tension. Everybody knows what that means. So I, so what some people might not understand is when I'm talking and saying words like somatic or parasympathetic, you know what I'm saying? So what I do is when you appeal and it's not dumbing down, it's not, um, you know, making things necessarily like simple in quotes. It's when you 
include the the people who might not get all the other words. You are serving everybody. You're serving everybody. So I believe that access to mental health, especially mental health, especially, but all aspects of health is a political and social justice issue. They are intertwined. They cannot be separated. And if I am not serving everybody, if a methodology does not serve everybody, because I also believe in the, the, in the concept of oneness, then it's really not serving anybody. Because if I, as I heal, you heal, but as you hurt, I hurt. And if I'm healing in a way that you don't have access to, then, and I'm the only one that's getting it, then it's really not, it's really not real. So I have to make all of my stuff as accessible as possible. Um, and I and have you do that through. You just said you do that through language. Through language, through language. And then, yeah. And how how else do you do that? I do it through language. I do it through affirming the value of the people that show up for me, reminding them because I know that people are coming, especially you know, black folks, people of color, LGBTQ people who live on the margins. Um, when they're walking into a yoga studio, when they're when they're showing up at a Hay House event, they're not necessarily seeing people who look like them, and that can be jarring. It could be traumatic. I've been there. I've felt it. I felt it as, mm. as part of the family, as an author, right? Like an invited guest. Yeah. So I have to remind them, you are welcome here. This place is safe for you. You are centered here. Your needs are centered in the way that I know if I'm serving a black woman and I'm centering her needs that everyone benefits, right? Cause she's, she's the one in society who is least valued. So if I'm valuing her, a black trans woman, if I make sure she's safe, everybody's safe. So mm-hmm. it's that reminder that, that verbal affirmation that this is for you too, even if you felt that it hasn't been, cause I will tell you that spiritual wellness, what I have observed of it is the most exclusive, the most exclusive part of the, the health and wellness industry. And that to me is, is an abomination because people are coming to heal their hearts and feeling left out like they don't belong. And that could is- you, could you, could you describe that for us? Because mm-hmm. um, say like for somebody like me, mm-hmm. right? a, a white male living in yeah. Southern California, um, I might not actually know what you're talking about okay. because, okay. because I haven't experienced it. Like I go to my yoga classes or I did, uh, you know, before COVID or I go to my meditation classes in the evening or, and um, you know, there might be one or two um, black guys or black gals in the mm-hmm. class or something. Mm-hmm. And like, so what you're talking about, maybe I, Maybe I don't even, I haven't seen that or experienced what you're talking about. So could you help us understand that? So there's a couple uh, concepts that I like to talk about. I don't like to talk about, but I feel compelled to talk about a lot, uh, which are toxic positivity and new age violence. And okay, toxic, toxic positivity. positivity. Mm-hmm. And, new yeah. a- and new age violence. And what that looks like, just to give an example, is uh, I go into a yoga class. And the yoga teacher is, will say something like, this is a place for peace and calm. I want you to leave your politics at the door. I want you to leave your troubles at the door. 
we're going to focus on what's good because what we focus on grows. And when we, when we focus on the negative, then we just attract more negativity in our lives. And as someone with black skin walking into that space, mm-hmm. their skin is political. Nothing is left at the door. They're the, the stress that they experience every day, they're not attracting that by thinking about it or acknowledging it. What we ignore grows and what we ignore grows and festers and infects. So this idea that that are rooted in real belief, like real tradition, mostly tradition of black and brown indigenous cultures have been commodified, appropriated, recycled, and then filtered through this white lens to say these very simplistic ideas that sound nice, but actually harm. So this idea, like, yes, what we, what we, who we are is what we attract. That is true. But there's a, there's deeper nuance. There's deeper meaning. There's many layers to that that need to also be told because otherwise it just sounds like victim blaming. You know, so black people. Thank did, you for thank you for explaining yeah. that. Yeah, that's so, so that's like clear. an example of toxic positivity, and you know, and that falls under new age violence. It's like kind of this recycling of traditional teachings in a way that's so watered down that it actually becomes hurtful. Mm. Mm. Which is like the uh, which is like the other which is the opposite of what you were talking about earlier of citation actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah. Right. So spirit, because spiritual wellness is, is actually where you're yeah, of theft. I said spiritual wellness is is like is rife with with theft. Um, yeah, because there's no acknowledgement of the African religions and traditions. There's no like it just doesn't it just doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. So how can we? So how can we? Um, what? Yeah, how can we, or I'd say, how can I, as mm-hmm. a, uh, as somebody who like has the Hay House Meditations podcast, who's yeah. white, yeah. or the, um, like you know these words like like how can I be an ally? Like uh-huh. I think we have to be a little careful of that because yes. then like, I want to like wear a badge now. Now I'm Bex's ally, and right. and 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 then not actually do any real work. Right. But how can we? Or I transform what what I might have like this unconscious bias that I don't even my wiring because of how I because of the uh, because of who I am. Uh, how can how can we transform that unconscious bias to I guess to see it first of all and then transform it to build inclusive community rather than exclusive that you're talking about. So for the purposes of this topic specifically, I want to release the binary of good, bad, good, evil, and examine words as they are and what they actually mean. So I I know that for a lot of white people, um, when they hear things like racism, even, uh, even something as, you know, that sounds a sweet sounding as unconscious bias, they want to distance themselves from it. Um, and then you get into the real words, white supremacist, white supremacy, right. you really want to distance yourself. But I would offer that these are things that just exist, um, neutral, let's not attach good and bad to them. And let's look at how they operate and how we participate and uphold. And I will say, me, even as a biracial black person, person of color, I can perpetuate and uphold white supremacy. And I have in the way that 
when I recognize that certain teachings from certain, you know, gurus, quote unquote gurus, um, did not serve me, did not, um, did not feel right to me. I looked at myself and oppressed myself and denied my own feelings and said, it's because I'm broken. And then I went and shared those teachings with others. That was a way that I upheld white supremacy because I took stolen, polluted, twisted teachings that I knew were not working for me, but because I saw myself as wrong, I passed them on. And Mm. I can perpetuate anti-blackness in the same way because these are the waters that we swim in. This is the world we live in. We live in an anti-black, anti-trans, racist, white supremacist world that has been colonialized. And we can't avoid what we've been conditioned um, or how we've been conditioned, but what we can do is examine it, accept it, and reject it. Say, this is what I, this is my knee jerk reaction. Like you said, like in meditation, you examine that, that feeling and then you exactly. take that pause yeah. for the reaction and say like, okay, it's not good or bad. It's just what is. Now, how can I show up in a way that doesn't perpetuate it, uphold it, keep it alive? And that's what I have to do every day. Every day I have to examine my anti-blackness. Every day I have to examine how I might uphold white supremacy in my spaces by not centering black and brown people. It's, it's a constant practice. So that's why I don't even believe in the label of ally. Allyship is a verb. You got to show up and be it every day. Once you call mm-hmm. yourself an ally, you fall into this place. Like you said, you get a badge and now you, you fall into this place of, I can relax. I'm one of right. the good ones. Mm-mm. Yeah. And you are the, what you bring to it Bex, is like anything, but um, I mean, you bring activism to your like meditation practice actually. Yeah. That is an active process. It's not like when I listen to you, you your, your teachings well, and, and I've done your, your meditations while they, I may come out calm. It's not as though um, that is the end point. I mean, that is just, it, it might happen, mm-hmm. but there's much more sort of insight being developed. It's, it's more yeah. sort of like, the, it's more of an inquiry. So I say that I tell people that are new to me because they might be coming to relax, which is cool. Like I'm a very chill person when I'm not on fire. So I tell people, <laughs> <laughs> I tell people like, look, um, the Points for me, for me, again, speaking from the eye, the point of meditation is not for relaxation. Sometimes it is, but like generally not. But it is a beautiful byproduct of being still, of calming the mind, of examining the mind slowly. You get calm. So that's a byproduct. But for me, it's about healing. So as someone heals, as someone examines and um, changes their approach to the world and how they move in the world, I believe that it is the duty in the spirit of oneness to go out and be part of the change, to help others, to help others heal. So for me, my meditation practice, I have a group, um, the tagline is uh, heal your soul, raise your voice. As you become healed and you have this feeling more of wholeness, you recognize your wholeness and you become empowered, now use it use it. And mm. it's, um, 
you know, everything's political. People, I think people who separate themselves say like, you know, I don't want to talk about politics. They don't recognize how like that is even political. Like that's a political statement. Right. Um, everything is political. Everything uh, is tied to everything. I don't believe in the separation in separation that way at all. So I don't even believe in separation of you and you and I. So I have to bring it into my practice as who I am. Yeah. 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 You know, the, um, in the in the in the Buddhist tradition that I I I, often, I usually bring up something Buddhist on the meditations podcast because that's the that's what I've been studying for twenty five years and mm-hmm. you know we always talk about um, within the Buddhist tradition the, our our practices are sort of looking to to remove the veil towards seeing reality as it is mm-hmm. seeing things clearly and that veil is created by our own um, greed. Um, anger and delusion mm-hmm. and so we work our, our our meditation practices are sort of focused to to remove those to mm-hmm. to, remo- to, to remove that veil and that that our actions we're, we're not separated from the world because we oftentimes talk about how, how about interdependence mm-hmm. that we aren't separated from the world so mm-hmm. that we talk about like our own individual greed the way that that manifests in the world is a kind of uh, frenetic materialism. Mm-hmm. This frenetic sort of, I mean, I'm not going to like go off on capitalism, but a kind of like the materialism <laughs> that wants it just for me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we, and we have a world that's doing that. Mm-hmm. So we can see how we are actually taking part within that greed system. Yeah? Sure. Then anger, our own personal anger, it manifests on a societal level, on a structural level as as the military industrial complex, right? Mm-hmm. As like as like the militarization of so much that is supposed to be protecting us, mm-hmm. right? And then our basic sort of ignorance or our basic sort of delusion on a personal level manifests in the world as um, through the various sources of media that tell us that we need something to be uh, th- that we're not whole. Yes. That we need something else yes. to, to get that, and then we'll feel whole. And of course, it never works. But that's how advertising, that is, that's the mark of advertising. Yeah. Um, so, we, that, so we have our personal practice, but mm-hmm. these things, greed, anger, and delusion, are part of the structure of yes. society right now. And we need to act. So when we go off of our meditation cushion, we need to actively dismantle those structures within society. And we do that both personally mm-hmm. and for the society. Because if not, neither are going to be removed. Ex- ex- oh my gosh, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, and, and dismantling even sounds like work, which it is, right? But I would love to, I'm always about like, how can I create ease in someone's body and their mindset? So instead of dismantling, which feels active, let's talk about divesting which just means I'm not participating. So when you're sitting on your pillow and it's-, it's That's okay. the essence of Gandhi. Gandhi, I, his, I his truth <laughs> is Gandhi was this truth insistence and yes. just not, I'm not going to pay tax for salt. Right. That was his, the whole salt march was about this non-participation in the tax system. 
So we're just going to divest. And it's so funny because you're, because as you're saying military industrial complex, I live next to a mega base, Fort Dix, McGuire, Lakehurst. Um, It's a huge, huge base here in New Jersey. And they're doing mortar testing right now on this call. So my house is vibrating. Like I'm feeling the sonic boom from bombs. And it's, and in my community, which is a very, I'll call it conservative community. <laughs> they, they sometimes will, when people go to complain on the message board and which I don't even know why I'm there. Cause that's such a cesspool, but they go on the message board and they say, um, you know, Oh, the bombs are bothering me or whatever. And people go, that's the sound of freedom. And I say quite the opposite. That is the sound of being enslaved really to this, this idea that we have to fight for our freedom when it's just accessible by I get free every day when I just sit on my pillow right so I in meditation what I do is I examine how I am participating and then I divest because that military industrial complex does need my anger it needs my fear that um, that company you know that's like making baby rockers that you know cost twelve hundred dollars to rock my baby I have to say um no, ma'am or sir, I can actually hold my baby with my arms and I don't need to spend that $1,200. I am a whole person that can, that can provide this thing that you're telling me I need. So it is acknowledging the wholeness of us. It's um, saying, I'm not going to participate. And then sitting with that to understand what it means. Like, how can I just a little bit every day check out and say, nope, that's actually not the truth. That's not the truth. Raise that veil. It's not the truth. Yeah, raise the veil. And that's that that part of that veil also is that we recognize that actually we're already complete mm-hmm. and beautiful and we have like this 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 core that is you know again from if we use that buddhist sort of uh, imagery it, it's just just veiled. It's not yeah. as though we have to get something from the outside. Right. And we use and you offer many of these methods of your meditation practices I see as sort of it just removes that veil. And sometimes it can be re- like, like a magician, like, yeah. it like goes away in a moment. And sometimes it's just little strands. It's just the daily work of, of, of caring for ourselves through, through just as you, as you write, you have four minutes to change your life. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it really is like, it's, it's not that everything changes in four minutes. It's that you begin a path. It's like that first step. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. That's that four minutes. That's how you change your life. And and I'll tell you, sometimes the veil is like if you you imagine like a, a a roller shade that like just whips up. Like sometimes I'm actually hanging on to that veil and pulling it down because I'm not ready. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to stay in this place of delusion for a little bit longer. And then I'm just examining that. What is my resistance? So you know, for, you know, meditation again, it's just connecting with the truth connecting with the truth, whatever it is, or however it's presenting itself and, and questioning it, being curious, saying, is that actually real? Is this the way it has to be? Just be, being hard, being a hard, you know, like a journalist coming in and saying, okay, well, like, let's go a little bit deeper. Like what's really happening here? And yeah. maybe I never get the real answer. doesn't matter. It's that <laughs> taking that pause is taking that time to just to not just invest in the, in the myth and the reality and the illusion without thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a daily practice. And then mm-hmm. I guess that's why we call it a practice, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not completely uh, done straight away. So well, you get to one level and then it's like, Oh, I've made it. And then something else is uncovered. <laughs> so yeah. it's like killing the onion. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, and maybe and maybe that's what we're doing in the United States right now. We're peeling the onion, mm, you know, and it's not being revealed. It's, mm-hmm. it's 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 part of the process. It's not our meditation practice, our contemplative practice. Sometimes when we look within, it's it's not always exactly what we want to find, but we, when we see it, uh, we can see it clearly. We need to change it. We change it, and then we keep on peeling it back. It is a big stinky onion that we are peeling back right now. For, <laughs> yeah. For real. <laughs> yeah. Bex, thanks for coming on the, the podcast. And I want, um, do you have one last method that, so we had, uh, you, you've, you've, you've mentioned a couple of these, um, these like pith instructions for like ha- ha- of practices. So with, um, with the smell of flowers and blow out the, uh, to smell the flowers and blow out the candles and the soda pop, um, mm-hmm. uh, the fizz meditation. Can you leave us with, with one other one, um, b- b- before you go? Can I have an offering of an affirmation that I really love? Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, we're Louise Hay would be looking down, um, <laughs> with a smile or, or is looking down with a smile upon you to, if, if, to say, if you want to offer an affirmation. So, you know, whatever your belief system, I have my particular spiritual tradition, but whatever your belief system um, is, I, I would like to offer that there, while things seem random, that there is a certain amount of order. And I want to um, share an affirmation that I use for myself every day. Um, my wants are worthy. My voice is valid. I was made I was created with divine intention, with purpose, for a purpose. And I say that to myself every morning to to remind myself of my own power and that I do have influence and that I do have impact. And that is true for all of us. We were all created with divine intention, with purpose, for a purpose. And we are so worthy and we are so valid by virtue of us being here. So that's what I want everybody to know. Excellent. Well, Bex, thanks for um, giving us some insight into how we might manage our own mother load <laughs> <laughs> on a daily basis. And um, and I'll um I'll, I'll put in the in in the uh, I, we've mentioned the, your, your your books and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, on the podcast. And um, are there where can people go to find um, where are you most active these days? Is, is, is it YouTube and Instagram? Instagram, definitely Bexlife, B-E-X-L-I-F-E, um, which is a terrible name, and I'll tell you the history of it another day, but <laughs> 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 you, can, you can find me there. I'm very, very active. I will say hello if you say hi to me. Excellent, excellent. Okay, Bex, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Hey there, listeners. Have you heard the latest news from Hay House? We've just launched a new mobile app. It's called Hay House Unlimited Audio. And just like the name implies, it gives you unlimited access to every Meditations podcast episode we've ever recorded. Plus, thousands of hours of additional guided meditations, audiobooks, affirmations, and so much more, all in one user-friendly app. With Hay House Unlimited Audio, You'll be able to get inspiration from all your favorite authors and experts, including Matt Kahn, Rebecca Campbell, Alberto Violdo, David G., Dr. Joe Dispenza, and hundreds more. Get started today with a free seven-day trial. Check it out at 
hayhouse.com slash meditations. That's hayhouse.com slash meditations.